Well, I am really excited. I've been excited all week. I could hardly wait to get to Sunday. And Thursday morning, I pulled it out and was kind of reading through it again. And it just gave me this, I'm not going to say it, but this feeling of H-O-P-E. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. Woo! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, and I just couldn't wait to get with you all today. I'm going to be reading it just word for word and talking. So if you have your Bible and you want to, you can actually crack it open. And Julian, if you want to pull the house up a teeny, if anybody wants to be able to actually read, um, that would be fun. All right, I'm just going to jump right in because I have a lot to say and a little, little time to say it. So I'm just going to jump right in. Um, actually, let me stop. I just want to pray and ask God to bless this. Lord Jesus, I just thank you so much for the power of your word. It amazes me every week how you constantly are setting people free by, by truth. And Lord, I ask for that again here this morning. I ask that you'll set somebody free today because of truth. And I pray that it'll explode in their heart and only your Holy Spirit can do that. I just pray you'll help yourself as you already have to this service, Lord. Your hope really is everywhere. And I just pray you'll seal it up with your word and put it deep in our minds that we won't soon forget these images and impressions that we see. In Jesus' name, I offer this up. Amen. I'm going to tell you about two men who, whose lives collided for a moment. One is Daniel and one is Darius. And it's so fascinating and interesting how this profound journey of Daniel happened to just collide with the profound journey of Darius. It happened side by side. Simultaneously, God was doing a huge work in Daniel. And at the same time, he was doing a huge work in King Darius, and they ended up impacting each other. And if you've been around Highland very long, you know Shannon talks all the time about how we were not meant to be alone. We were meant for community. Our lives woven together impact each other and impact our journey. And this is a powerful picture of how important it is that our lives rub against each other. What's happening here in Daniel chapter 6 is where the story is of Daniel and the lion's den. Um, Daniel, bless his heart, as you've been here the last couple weeks, we've been talking about how he's in exile, he's not in his own hometown, and yet even in this foreign land, he has been greatly honored and elevated consistently. No matter what the, who the king was, Daniel had um, distinguished himself among everyone, and he was always put in places of power, which is kind of crazy because he was an exile. And you would have thought they would have looked for people that were natives to that land. But Daniel had such phenomenal qualities, he always was set apart. And it's the same in Daniel chapter 6. It's a new king now. It's, um, he's gone through uh, Nebuchadnezzar and then his son Belshazzar, who wasn't king for very long, because he wanted to um, take the goblets from the temple of God and, and entertain his guests with them. And God was a little offended by that, and so he sent his hand down and wrote on the wall, tonight your life is taken from you, so he had a short kingdom. But anyway, Daniel was also called upon to deliver those fatal words to that king, saying, um, Basically, God is done with you, and there'll be a new king. King Darius had just been placed in power, and every time a new government comes, that king has a new idea of how he wants to set up the government. So this time, we'll just start there. In uh, verse 1, it says, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel, once again, so distinguished himself among all the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king was planning to set him over the whole kingdom. But at this, 
The administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel, and it doesn't say this, but because they were jealous, humanity comes in, and they're all vying for power. You guys, you've seen the Lord of the Rings. You know, it's the power of the ring, and it's getting on all the satraps and administrators. They're like, oh, I've got to have the power of the ring. So they're all trying to vie for power, but Daniel is the one that has um, earned the favor of the king. So it says that they began to try and find charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. The Lord's been um, kind of convicting me with that all week. Nor negligent. He didn't leave anything out. He crossed the I's, or crossed the T's and dotted the I's. <laughs> He was complete in all that he did. They could find no corruption in him. Finally, these men said, We'll never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So they set out to set a trap for Daniel. They were so, in, so filled with jealousy and anger that they wouldn't stop. They're like, there isn't anything we can find wrong with him, so we're going we're gonna to invent something. We're going to set a trap that will make him fall so that we will be able to have his position of power. So the administrators and satraps went as a group to the king. And they said, oh, King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, survivors, and all the governors have agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O king, will be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be annulled. So King Darius put the decree in writing. What did they appeal to in King Darius's heart? His pride. Oh, you're such an awesome king. And he's kind of new on the block. He hasn't been around very long. But they're, oh, we just give you our loyalty and our allegiance so much so that we think you ought to make a law. That nobody in this whole community can pray to anybody but you. Because you're so lifted up. You're so glorious. And King Darius fell into the trap. And he signs the decree. Now the story really begins. Prideful Darius has set the trap. Daniel is on an ordinary day, just like a hundred days before. But it says that now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Now, I want to pause there for a second. I really believe that when Daniel was on his way home from work and he stopped by one of the big edicts hammered to a tree and it said nobody's allowed to pray to anybody but Darius for the next 30 days, his first thought was, I better go home and pray about that. <laughs> and off he went. This is an important matter. This is a grave concern i got to go home and talk to Jesus about this. Of course, it would have been God that thinks he didn't know Jesus yet. But you can put that together. <laughs> and not only does he go home and pray, which I think, I don't know about you, but I think I would have gone to the closet and closed the door. But he goes to his upstairs. 
Peter's window where, the, where they open towards Jerusalem and he gets down on his knees and he prays to his God three times a day just as he had done before. And I want to stop and just look at that of Daniel's journey. There was a whole lot of just as he had done before before he ever read that edict. The pattern was so set. This wasn't a crisis reaction. This was a habit. This is who Daniel was. And I think that so many of us live our lives, like I want to bring this cross up here show you a little something. I think that we have a relationship with God that, well, all of us are a little different, so you put yourself wherever you fit. But let's say I'm kind of living over here, and maybe you used to be a Christmas and Easter Christian, you know? It's Christmas, and so you run over here, and you have a little moment with Jesus, and you sing a little song, away in the manger, and it's all warm and fuzzy, and it's really good, and then you kind of go back into your life, and you're kind of living over here. And then Easter comes around, and then you come back over, and you have a little visit with Jesus, and you sing, he arose, he arose, thank you, Jesus, Christ rose. And then you go back, and you live your life over here. Well, then some of us along that way get a little kind of convicted and we kind of are starting to like it over here a little bit. And you're like, you know what? I think I'm going to go to church, you know, a couple times a month. So now, a couple times a month, you're kind of running over here and going, I'm singing to you and I'm praying to you and I'm hearing your word and it's awesome. And then I'm running back over here and I'm living my life and I'm doing my thing. And then another time that month, I'm going to run over here. And then maybe it starts getting on you a little bit more. And you're like, I'm, I'm kind of liking it kind of thinking that maybe I should do that every week. And then you become an every Sunday Christian. And you're just running over here every week. Oh, I'm starting to learn the songs now. So I'm not singing Strawberry Banana Georgia. Oh, how great thou art. And you're learning the songs. You're starting to sing along. You can kind of find your way through the Bible a little bit, you know. You still kind of peek out your corner to oh, find out exactly where you're going, left or right. But it's starting to become more familiar. You're starting to kind of like it. And one day, maybe in the middle of that Sunday, every Sunday experience, something that the pastor said or the worship song or prayer went through your heart. And you're like, oh, it's getting on me and I love it. And I think I'm going to start meeting with Jesus a couple times a week. So now you're not just running over here on Sunday. It might be Tuesday. And on Tuesday, you're kind of starting to run over here. And then you kind of run back. And you're like, whoo, it's Thursday. Now I'm back again. And then it comes to Sunday. And that keeps growing. And you're like, oh, I'm just really liking that. I'm starting to get hungry. I'm kind of wanting to do it every day. And then you start this everyday run. Oh, Jesus. I just love you. I just want to meet with you every morning. Every morning, I'm just going to pray to you. And I'm going to be with you. And I want to worship you. And then you go and you live your life. And then the next morning, you're running back. And you're having this relationship. Well, that looks pretty good. I mean, it really looks like you're starting to get a lot of faithfulness here. But I want to tell you that I think what Jesus wants is this. I just want to be with you all day. I love that song that Nate led today. I'm trying to remember it, but it was the... I will, I will worship you, Lord, only you, Lord. I will worship you, Lord. Only you, Lord. It's just you and me. It's just you and me here. It's just you and me. And I think that's the way Daniel lived. I really think. I don't think he ran in and out of God's presence. And I think when he saw the edict, he just, well, what do you think we ought to do? <laughs> and I think the Lord was like, let's go home, let's talk. And he went and he opened up the windows and he got down and he talked to his very best friend. And I don't know what God said to him. 
But it must have been good because he did it again and he did it again and did it again. Now the story continues. Daniel's having his intimate moment with his friend. Probably hearing lots of things from the Lord about having courage and being brave. Don't be afraid. Probably counting the cost a little bit, knowing his life, his hope isn't just here, but his hope is there. Well, the satraps and the administrators and all those bad guys come and it says, um, let's see, so... Three times a day, this need to be harmed. Then these men, in verse 11, then these men went as a group and they found Daniel praying. I don't think that was hard to do. They were probably hiding in the bushes, looking up for that window to open because they knew his habit. And they waited and went, ah, God. And so all of them ran back to the king. Verse 12. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree? That during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den. The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be annulled. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. Now, I want to tell you something. Whenever the Bible uses adjectives, you need to pay attention because the book was written by a man and he doesn't include many details. It's the truth. And there are so many points in the Bible when I'm like, and then what? And then what did they say? What were they wearing? And did he cry? Was he scared? But it says here a little adjective. He was greatly distressed. And uh, I lost my, lost my spot. Uh, he was greatly distressed distressed and he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to try and save him. You know what he did. He was just hating himself. I'm an idiot. I fell to my pride and now I've hurt my friend. We're on a journey together and my pride has wounded him. And all of the anguish of his soul. And this king, it says he went to every effort to save him before sundown. Now, I don't know. I have effort. But I think President Bush has a little more effort than I do. He has a little more pull. So we're talking about a king who has power. He made every effort to try and save him. And he couldn't do it. And so it came to be sunset. And the bad guys came back and said, we got to do it. Because you made a law, you have to walk through this. And I don't know what that moment was like when they came and knocked on Daniel's door. Because he knew it could happen. Did he know King Darius was trying to save him? Did King Darius let him know, I'm sorry? I'm so sorry. Because this isn't a little thing. This one's going to cost you your life. But the moment came, and again, this is a huge chunk of the Bible that they leave out the story. I don't know what happened. But I know they came and got Daniel. And I often have meditated on what Daniel was saying to the Lord as they were tying him up. And I know in those days, execution was not kind. and Execution never is, but these days, they try and make it painless. This was not the way they executed people. They had a, a den full of hungry lions that they had not fed. Angry lions. 
And I can imagine that there was a moment when Daniel was standing on the edge, looking down, breathing deep, praying hard. It's just a matter of minutes until I'm going home. It doesn't say that he made any big declaration like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It doesn't say that he declared God might save me. It just says they threw him into the lion's den. And I've often thought of the song that we sing at church a lot, that I am desperate for you. Oh God, you are the air I breathe. You are the air I breathe. Your Holy Spirit given to me. And I am desperate for you. It's easy to sing those words, much more difficult to live them. And when he was thrown into the lion's den, King Darius does a strange thing. All of a sudden, I think from his toe, he shouts out, Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. What a strange thing for a king to say when a man is being thrown to hungry lions. He doesn't even believe in God. He doesn't have any hope. He doesn't. He shouldn't have any faith. So why is he declaring faith? He has. He is showing more faith in that moment than most of the church does every day. What a bold thing to say! Is he a lunatic? Is he crazy? Or did something get on him? He started bugging him, and I think he said, God, uh, "Daniel, may your God save you," because I couldn't. And in that moment, was he not admitting the smallness of his power and that it was incomplete? Oh, and now it gets awesome. Now, the Bible leaves Daniel alone. It doesn't tell us anything about what that night was like, but it tells us a lot about what Darius' night was like. He goes back to his um, kingdom or his castle or whatever he lived in, and it said um, then the, in verse 18, Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. And I'll tell you, that's what it looks like. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And I think he couldn't sleep all night because he kept looking. He kept, I don't know if they had clocks. I don't know how they full time. But the whole night he'd been watching the stars, looking out and going, I wonder, I wonder if he's still alive. And he's pacing the floor and he can't sleep. He can't lay down because he just can't wait to find out if really there is a God powerful enough. To rescue Daniel. The very next morning it says the light of dawn came up and it, at the first light of dawn I mean the first light of dawn it says the king hurried to the lion's den and I've often kind of pondered that in my heart and went, what does that look like when a king hurries to a lion's den first thing in the morning you're going out to get your paper and, and there he goes just running by you know his crown kind of on crooked his robes trailing behind and did he have like chariots trying to keep up like where are we going where are we going I don't know we're going to lion's den I don't know he wants to check on things see if he's alive of course he's dead he's been lion's den all night no but the king can't sleep he wants to go and see and they're running and running and running and he's all out of breath and he gets there and he can't stand it he just explodes again he explodes like a crazy man he says daniel he's calling out to a dead man daniel servant of the living god i love his title daniel servant of the living god has your god whom you serve continually been able to rescue you and then there was a moment of silence just like that and then, even crazier, you hear this little voice coming out from the lion's den. Oh, king! Live forever! My God sent 
have I ever done any wrong to you, O king? The king, and here's a big word, was overjoyed. And I wonder what that looks like when a king gets overjoyed. But I think he wasn't just like, well, that's really great. I'm glad to hear that. I think he did a little, I'll become even more undignified than this. And started, woohoo, dancing around him. He gets all excited and he starts giving out all kinds of orders. He says he ordered for Daniel to be lifted out of life. And I don't know what that looked like, but can you imagine a moment like that where they're standing the rope down and woo, here you come out of life. Then. All the lions are watching you go by and they, they examine Daniel when they get him out and there's not even a scratch, not one scratch on his body. And, and what do you think the story's worth for the rest of his life when he tells children, his grandchildren, about the night he spent with the lion? Like, did they lay their head in his lap? Did he pet them like cats? I don't have any idea what that night would have been like, but I know you'd never forget it. When God brought so much hope into that frightening place. But the king doesn't stop there. Oh, and now he's mad. He's so mad at all the bad guys that he calls together all the bad guys and their wives and their children. That was a bad day. And he brought them, and it says that they threw all of those men, all the wives and all the children of those men, into the lion's den. And before their body hit the ground, all their bones were crushed. Those were the same lions that Daniel spent the night with. God had rescued him. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language. And I'm going to show you here. The, 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 the beautiful thing that happens... Because Daniel had found hope here, and he knew hope was there, but the tension of those two worlds created an opportunity for a king to find hope. And because the king found hope, he sent hope everywhere. And now he sends a new edict. He tells everybody, you need to reverence and fear the God of Daniel. Because he went to the lion's den and he was rescued. And that is a God worth serving. That's a God more powerful than any king here on this earth. And he, he in, in, uh, inspires people to worship this God. What an awesome, awesome picture of a man and a king. And how their journeys collide. But one point that I want to make to you in closing is that Daniel had to be willing to go to the lion's den for the king to find hope. <clears throat> and we get all fussy when God allows difficulty and suffering in our lives. But Daniel was willing to be brave and in loyalty follow his God wherever he led him, having no idea that hope was about to be burst in the whole kingdom because of his journey to the lion's den. So I want to challenge you in two different ways. And Nate, if you could come... Um, wherever you are. And can you sing that song again? That only you? Okay. The song of Daniel. What I want to challenge you tonight or today, two things. One, if you are like a Daniel, you already know God, you've got a relationship with Him, I just want to challenge you at Highland Christian Church to just not be the type of people that were running in and out of God's presence all the time. But that we get to the point, that we grow to the point where we just hang out with Him. We're intimate with Him. John 15 says, if you remain in me, then I'll remain in you. Abide. Be. Hang out all day. I want to challenge you, if you don't already, to meet with the Lord in His Word. Open it. Every day at home. Feed yourself. Many times. 
Um, Shannon and I were in a youth group that challenged us to read the Bible every day. And that was a real high calling for me when I was 16. Shannon was 14. But we had some youth sponsors who helped us and challenged us. And once a week, we'd get together and share what we'd learned. I was made in those moments, I'll tell you that. And I'll very honestly, just on a personal note, one of the reasons I married Shannon is because from the time he was 14 years old, he'd been in the Word of God every day. And I said to myself, I said, I want to be around when all that starts coming out. Because I know God is planting seeds deep in his heart, and it's taken root, and he's going to be a man of God, and I want to be right beside him as the Lord begins to use him. And I, Shannon and I both, we love this. We love this. We love this word. I have begged the Lord. This, my dad gave me this Bible when I was 14 years old, and I've traveled to all 50 states of the nation, and I've never lost it. And I've prayed, God, please don't ever let me lose it. I just want to never want to be without your word. Um, that's why we're offering this women's Bible study. That's why I know Patrick is offering all these ministries throughout the week and, and the ministry. We want our people to know to be rich in the Word of God and to be staying close to Him. And, then, and also in cha- challenging you too. if there's anybody here and you're like King Darius and you've got a Daniel in your life, somebody that fascinates you and you're kind of watching their journey but kind of from a distance and, it's, it, and faith is kind of starting to get on you a little bit, and it's keeping you up at night. And it's causing you to pace because you're thinking that maybe it's real. And when we close and we sing this song, Only You, I want to encourage you to go over to this little area. Shana's going to be there. And if you're like the King Darius, and you're just like, I've got to run to the lion's den and find out if it's real. Go. Run. Yell out like a crazy man or a crazy woman. Is it real, God? Are you there Really? Because if you are, and you're that big, I'm yours. I want to begin this journey. I'm going to be a king running through the town early in the morning, being undignified. I've got to know if God is real. Because I think he might be. And that's what it is when we're giving up little green dots as everybody's walking in. Just getting hope on you. Just getting hope on you. And may we be people that inspire hope in others. Because we just have that look in our eye that says there's more to to this world than what's going on here. There's this whole big plot playing itself out to rescue us and take us home. I'll close in prayer. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the hope that comes from rescuing us from this planet. Lord, you're so good and you give us so much while we're here on this earth. You bless us in so many ways with so many of the desires of our heart. And yet still, this world is not the end. And thank you for the hope that comes from the idea of just passing through and our treasures being laid up somewhere beyond the blue and all the joy that comes with going home soon. But in the meantime, Lord, may we be like Daniel. May we just live lives that are so intimate with you that it just influences people around us. And that I pray, Lord, I pray for lots of people to come to know you like King Darius. Just because that hope got on them and that keeps them up at night. And I just praise you, Lord, for your work. And I pray you'll continue to do it. And I pray for people here that maybe don't know you yet. If they find themselves singing songs that they heard in church or, or just thinking thoughts of you, help them to know that that's you speaking to them. I'm just kind of calling out to them and waking them up so that they can know this hope that does not disappoint. 
Jesus' name, I thank you for church. I thank you for Sunday. I thank you for your word. I thank you for worship and prayer. And all of your people and all of your children here celebrating. What a great gift. A little bit of heaven on earth here this morning. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, I pray. If you'd like to, um, you can you can stand and sing along. If you want to walk over there and talk with Shannon, you're welcome to do that. But we'll just conclude our service by singing these words to the Lord.